Welcome to Acquire, Tear Sheets Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Tear Sheets Head of Studio, Rebecca Cohen. Before we jump into today's episode, I have to share something we're all super excited about a tear sheet after two very long years of pandemic and isolation and just a whole lot of uh, social weirdness. We are finally getting out of the screens and coming into the real world. This September 15th, we'll be holding our very first in-person event in a really long time, Tear Sheets Power of Payments Conference. It's going to be at Current in Chelsea Piers, NYC. We're very excited and we'll be bringing together the top professionals and brands in the payment space to discuss the challenges and the opportunities presented by an undeniable need to stay ahead of the curve of a rapidly changing environment. And it's going to be pretty exclusive, so I recommend you apply now to join us. I'll put the link in the article. And without further ado, episode 14 of the Acquire Podcast. Last week, we spoke about financial literacy and how Stash, a personal investing app, is building and strengthening their brand through initiatives for literacy around personal finance, starting as early as kindergarten and all the way into adulthood. This week's episode is about those consumers who are already into adulthood, now facing some pretty big financial decisions and responsibilities. Those are, of course, the millennials, among us, myself included, who are on the brink of getting married, buying our first homes, and all these other totally not stressful things that come with finally admitting that we are, in fact, adults. (laughs) And so today I have with me Erica White, the VP of Marketing and Communications at Affirm. A firm is, of course, one of the prominent buy now, pay later players today, making life's big necessary and maybe not so necessary purchases affordable across major brands from Walmart to Expedia and even Neiman Marcus. I invited Erica to speak to us about their most recent ad campaign, positioning uh, positioning a firm as a go-to solution for millennials during two pretty hilarious life situations that I'll explain in a bit, and about marketing BNPL at large. Erica, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. So I'll share some stills from the ads in the article for this episode on the Tearshi website. So head over there. But for those of us who are listening on other platforms for now, I'll, I'll do my best to paint the picture. The campaign is basically illustrating how things can and often do get out of control around life's big moments. And the idea is that a firm is then able to help people take charge through BNPL. We see two really fun video spots featuring relatable characters in relatable situations, life milestones like moving into a home and getting married. The spots use situational humor to to really drive that point home. So first we see a young woman who's planning her wedding. Her mom thinks that her wedding dress is too pricey, so she has her try on her old one, which is so horrendous that the young woman accidentally trips and falls into some blueberry pie. A firm makes buying that dress of her dreams possible. The second spot is a young couple just moving into their first home, maybe without much of a budget left to furnish it right away. But to their dismay, they have a kooky next door neighbor who wears Speedo. Wears a Speedo as a daily uniform while doing all types of daily outdoor activities. With a firm, again, this couple is able to buy the shades and blinds that they clearly desperately need. Um, so that's a, a tiny bit about that. Um, Erica, can you tell us about a firm before this campaign? What gap in your marketing and brand were you looking to fill with these two narratives? What was the motivation of going this, this creative route? 
I joined a firm about two and a half, three years ago. And at the time, if you saw BNPL as an acronym, I think virtually no one would understand what you were talking about. And since then, the category has really just exploded. And I would argue to some extent, at least the pay in for solution, paying biweekly over six weeks has really become commoditized. There's so many people offering it and it's really commonplace for so many things that you're looking for, whether it's a sweater or a blender or, or, you know, an even smaller purchase than that. Someone sent me an example of a sandwich, actually, I think this weekend. But nonetheless, as that commoditization occurs, differentiation is going to be incredibly important. And even more so than differentiation, distinction in the space. So how is a firm distinguishing ourselves from all the other players in the space? We're really focusing on this idea of control. And that's a feature or a feeling that we actually heard from our consumers they have when they use a firm. This idea that they really feel in control of their finances, in control of their spending. And underlying that control, I think, is really an idea of optionality. Looking at credit cards as a comparison, you're really locked into this 30-day schedule. You pay it off after 30 days or you, you could end up getting hit with, or you don't pay it and you can end up getting hit with a late fee. But if you're just paying your minimum, you're going to revolve and revolve and revolve potentially. And that can really feel like a very out of control situation for consumers. Our optionality really underpinning that control was important not only to distinguish a firm from credit cards, but also to distinguish ourselves from other players in the space who are bringing perhaps a more modern solution but the same tricks and gimmicks that credit cards do, whether it be late fees or compound interest. I hear you. And and I, I do want to get back to the idea of distinguishing BNPL from credit cards. I think it's a super important point to explore from a branding perspective. Um, but first, I, I'm really curious about the ad spots. They, they really spoke to me as a millennial and they made me chuckle, which is, is a hard thing to do in, in the age of content. Can you tell us about the creative brainstorming that went into to creating this? What was the what was the process of bringing this to fruition? Someone um, on our team frequently says that advertising that's for everybody actually works for nobody. And I think that that really rings true. I think you have to really know who you're targeting, know as much about that consumer as possible, and then tailor your message for them, even if that means taking yourself out of it a bit. So we really looked at millennials as a target audience for, for this work. And we, we know that millennials have a large appetite towards using buy now, pay later. In a survey we did actually early this year, we found that nearly three-fourths of millennials wanted to use a pay-over-time solution like a firm this year and preferred it to a credit card. So that insight on audience was actually really important. And then we also looked, thought about what life moments we really wanted to focus on. And we saw that nearly a third of U.S. consumers were planning a a wedding this year. So really the year of the wedding. And we also found that more than a third were looking to furnish a new home or apartment this year, and that would cost at least $4,000. So pretty big and expensive life moments here. So we pulled a lot of data together to really ground ourselves in who is that consumer we're trying to reach, what's on their mind, and how can we help intersect their mindset right now? Were there any challenges or unexpected things that happened on the road to getting this campaign out there? Like, were there any surprises along the way? We were on a really aggressive timeline. 
when we decided we were going to do this campaign and when we briefed it to when it was actually out in the world was less than 12 weeks, maybe even you know closer to 10 for that matter. So when you're on a, a roller coaster that's going that fast, you definitely have to be prepared for twists and turns. But I would say in general, the, the thing that I think surprised everybody was how great the humor came across in terms of the talent that we picked and how the director connected with that talent to really make these situations feel funny, but not so out of reach or out of touch for the average person. Definitely. I think it did a really good job of, 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 of bringing that chuckle out, like I said, which is not so easy to do. Yeah, I appreciate that because it's, I mean, you can do a lot of things that are funny, right? And funny is really subjective, but it's actually, can I put myself in this situation and actually see myself having a similar reaction and a similar laugh to what these, what these people are experiencing? Yeah. And the puppies help. Dogs are always a good idea, I think. <laughs> Can't disagree there. So the ads, the ads are great and they're very consumer centric. What's interesting to me, though, and, and I've been thinking about this a lot ever since you actually spoke at our choir conference this past February, as a business, a firm's communication is turned to both the consumer and the business, meaning like there's the B2C side that we see in ads like these. And then there's also B2B where you're talking to commerce players like Amazon and like Target. And I'm very curious, like, how do you manage a brand that is speaking to both of these directions so well? What exactly are the challenges in doing that? And, and what does it take to succeed in being a household name, both for the consumer and the retailer? Great question. We are a network business and on one side of the network has merchants and we are looking to help those merchants grow, right? Like they are looking for ways to find new customers, to sell more items. And we are a tool and a partner that can help them achieve growth. On the other side of the network, you have consumers. And from what we can tell, consumers are looking for better alternatives of ways to pay over time, better alternatives than credit cards, certainly, but ways to take control of their finances. And I think that need is only becoming more acute right now, given the macro, and will continue to become more acute. So to your question about how we how we balance that, I think it's important to keep in mind that we can definitely meet a consumer where they are when they're shopping with a merchant like Walmart or Target or Williams-Sonoma, but we can also meet them pretty directly through the Affirm app or through unique products that we have, like the Affirm debit card, which is in the process now, really generating a flywheel effect, whereby the first time you meet us, you might be buying a crib on Pottery Barn example and say, hey, what's this interesting thing that's going to allow me a a way to pay that I feel like I have more control over. But then after you try it and ideally have a delightful experience, which we think based on the product you will, then maybe you download the Affirm app. Through that download, you actually start getting special offers. You learn that we're at even more merchants than you expected. And maybe over time, instead of just coming across Affirm during your shopping journey, you're actually starting your shopping journey with us. And I would say trying even more products in the Affirm ecosystem as a result. What you're talking about, if, if I understand this correctly, is, is, is an attempt, a, a process to actually iterate BNPL out of something that's more than just a nice to have feature at the end of an existing shopping experience, but actually a, an obvious go-to choice for paying uh, for almost anything. It, and, and I guess that's what the debit card affirms debit card comes in to do. Can you talk about it in, in that context? That's a tool that's going to allow a consumer to use 
a piece of plastic, a debit card, and actually choose in the course of making a transaction, do I want to debit this right away or do I want to split this up and pay for it over time? And that will make sort of the behavior of paying over time, we think, even more mainstream and actually bring a firm top of mind for, to consumers more often. So there's really a, again, flywheel effect that we're trying to create. I think from a marketing perspective, what that means is really mirroring that strategy, doing really strong partner marketing. And we have an excellent partner marketing team and figuring out ways to work with our merchant partners to really meet the consumer together and to leverage the great brands that they have to introduce a firm for the first time, but also working sort of as a standalone consumer brand and finding new products and new ways to add value to the consumer so that if they start their shopping journey with the firm, if they come to our website on their own, we're educating them on comprehension of benefits and giving them the tools that they want to need. So speaking of cards, this is a good time to bring us back around to the conversation around marketing BNPL in opposition or maybe in context of credit cards. A lot of BNPL's target audience is is obviously young people, millennials and Gen Zers. Um, and I think it's appealing to us because a lot of us young people have grown up pretty credit card averse from having seen uh, firsthand the consequences of credit card debt on our grandparents, our parents, and even ourselves. BNPL is, is an appealing alternative, like I said, because it doesn't follow this traditional credit payoff model of the 30-day cycles um, that can be kind of vindictive and, and, and not, so, not so nice for the consumer at the end of the day. We have some BNPL players like Affirm that, that make it a point to be transparent and offer no late fees. But still, there are more than a few BNPL critics who um, liken BNPL to credit in disguise. Uh, calling it just another way to get people to spend beyond their means. There's obviously a tension there. How do you deal with this as one of the biggest BNPL players in the space? I'm glad you asked the question because I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding out there and misinformation. And I think that underlying that is really lumping all of BNPL together versus really taking the time to understand each player distinctly and what they're about and how they choose to extend consumer spending power. So I want to spend a moment on that because I think that with that understanding, it becomes pretty clear that this isn't, this isn't a one size fits all type of solution. This is not all the same thing. It really matters who you choose at checkout and it really matters um, what that provider is about, how they're making money, how they treat the consumer. And so I, I want to take a moment to clear some of that up. So fundamentally, um, one thing that makes a firm really different is we actually do our own underwriting. And that might not sound super exciting to a consumer, but I'll tell you why it matters. It matters because it really gives us an indication of, are you actually taking out a loan that you can afford to pay back and that we believe will be paid back? Because if we, we will not extend a loan, we will actually turn that down. So if a consumer you know, gets themselves in trouble with a loan and it's like, you know, sorry, I can't pay you and is putting and is putting it off. Like we don't profit from, from that situation. So it is entirely and only in our interest to only extend loans, only extend opportunities that we believe are right for consumers and that can be paid back on. So I, I really wanted that point potently because that's not necessarily true across the industry. That's a very important point. Thank you for, for answering that clearly for us. Uh, BNPL is not new on the scene anymore, but it's certainly still becoming. 
and there are better providers than others, um, as with everything else in the space. To bring it back to the marketing perspective, how does a firm distinguish itself from both the other BNPL players and credit cards in this regard? Uh, what kind of work are you doing to educate consumers about how you're different from others? Um, how much of that work are you able to do when so many of your consumers meet you for the first time as a logo at checkout? I would think the most important message that I would like to any consumer to know when they see that Affirm logo is we are on your side. We are on the side of the consumer. We are not going to do anything to trick you. We are gotcha free and that um, you, know, you can trust us. And I hope that by choosing a firm, we continue to earn and grow that trust over time because fundamentally money is so personal, right? There's, there's few things in our, in, in our life that are more precious than our time and our money. And you really have to spend both well, spend both smartly. I think it's pretty hard to, to disagree with that. But money is also just such a source of anxiety for people. Um, we surveyed consumers earlier this year and we found the average American worries about money six times a day. And millennials worry even more than that, about seven times a day. So although it's this really precious, important personal thing to us, it's also a major source of anxiety. So you really have to trust who you are, both spending your time and spending your money with. So I hope that's what people recognize and start to recognize when they first see a firm. But I also hope that it's something that we have the right to earn and grow over time as well. True. So on that point, I think this is a perfect place to come back around to the ad campaign, right, as a means to earn and grow that trust by understanding your consumers, um, their worries, their needs. The campaign was launched somewhere back in April 2022, right? Where would we have seen the ads? Um, and can you share anything about the performance so far? It's primarily running on in the Amazon advertising ecosystem. So we are the exclusive BNPL provider on Amazon. So we have the opportunity to reach the literally gajillions of Amazon consumers who we haven't yet reached or who already know a firm for that matter. And as an extension of seeing these videos, we also have display banners running on amazon.com and offsite driving back to the amazon.com backslash a firm landing page. So a lot happening in the Amazon ecosystem because we feel like there's a really ripe audience there, especially since we're the exclusive provider. In terms of how it's doing, the quantitative results are still rolling in. So not, not a ton of details to share around those for the purposes of today. But what I can tell you is we've gotten some good qualitative feedback from consumers because we we actually surveyed consumers who had exposure to the ad versus those who didn't. And what we found was this, this work really increased brand relatability. So, and that was particularly true for the wedding dress bot and particularly true among millennials. So those who were exposed to the work actually found the firm brand more relatable than those who weren't. And that's a really important ingredient in increasing that distinction that we talked about earlier, because you can't really distinguish yourself if someone, certainly if someone isn't aware of you, but if people don't have sort of that relatability, that trust point. So we, we're, we're happy to see, see that qualitative data come back. Relatability is really the best thing that you can hope for, I think, as a brand these days. Um, so it's really exciting to hear that it's been doing well in that regard. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully catching up with you a couple months down the line and seeing how it went and maybe getting some numbers. Uh, before we wrap up, I just I just want to thank you again, Erica, for taking the time to speak with us. It was such a pleasure having you at our Acquire conference back in February, and it's a pleasure 
to have you once again in the Acquired Podcast uh, and, and hear your experiences and wisdom for our audience. You lead a pretty important team at a firm and you do it well. I'm wondering what keeps you grounded on the day-to-day? Do you have an inspirational post-it note that you keep on your desktop or maybe some kind of motto that guides your um, daily hustle? So my team really is what keeps me grounded day-to-day. They challenge me, they help me focus, and they make me better. At the risk of embarrassing them and myself, I'll throw out one of them. Um, But something I do say pretty frequently is it's aggressive, but not impossible. And I feel like a lot of great things that the team has accomplished at the firm and that I've accomplished with teams everywhere, very few people thought were possible. And that was either because the resource constraints or the timing constraints, or it was just an off the wall idea. But it's been really rewarding to see people come together and um, unite, work really hard to achieve something that they thought wasn't possible and realize that it was in fact just really aggressive to get it done. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing this. And thank you so much again for taking the time to speak with us today. This was episode 14 of Acquire, Tara Sheets Marketing Podcast with Erica White, VP of Marketing and Communications at Affirm. We spoke about building out a cheeky, millennial-esque ad campaign, creating the flywheel effect through strong partner marketing, and some of the challenges and opportunities that come with marketing BNPL. To read the transcript of our conversation, you can head on over to the Tearsheet website and to stay tuned to upcoming episodes of the Acquire podcast, be sure to subscribe to our marketing newsletter and follow Tearsheet on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about the Acquire podcast, you can write them to me at Rebecca at Tearsheet.co. I was your host, Rebecca Cohen. Until next time.